Katrina Cog here, sharing stories of money, success, and what it takes to build a six-figure business as a female freelancer entrepreneur. And I am so excited to have Maddie with us today to be able to talk about her journey and the wisdom she's learned along the way. So Maddie, welcome. Thank you so much for making some time for me today. I would love for you to share, again, who you are, where you are, and what it is that you've been up to. All right. So thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to share a little bit of my journey and hopefully will help other people looking to follow a similar path. So my name is Maddie Osmond. I am currently living in Denver, Colorado for the next like two days. And then I'm going to live in Lakewood, Colorado, because we actually just bought a house. So my life is a little bit tumultuous right now. But, um, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And um, as far as what I do, I'm an SEO content writer and I work with brands mostly that are in uh, like a technology related space. So primarily brands more specifically that work with WordPress in some way. But, you know, there are a lot of outliers to that. Um, and, yeah, so basically I just help companies to attract their ideal prospects from search, creating pieces that appeal to both the search engine robots, but also the end reader, the human. Awesome. I love that. So how long have you been freelancing or running your own show? Well, it depends on when you want to measure it by. So um, my first freelance job ever was in college, and it was a web design project that my boss at the time just didn't have time to deal with. And so it was like, hey, you know, here's something if you want it. It was, you know, honestly, a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, like a life-changing moment, something like that, because it, it was the first time I realized that I could take on my own work without having this like overarching corporation, you know, corporate entity to protect me. And um, from there, I took on two full-time jobs after school, after college, both in sales, both just, you know, not what I wanted to do for my whole life. They were fully intended, intending on being foot in the door opportunities. And then, you know, it just never really turned into what I wanted them to be. And so, I was freelancing on the side of those jobs and eventually just decided this is really what I want to do full time. And so um, I want to say it was like two years after graduating. That's when I finally decided to start freelancing full time. And so that was what, 2015, maybe 2016, I think. So it's been about, about three, almost three and a half years now that I've been freelancing okay. full time. And when you were doing those, those full-time jobs, were you starting to still do a little freelance on your own still? Were you building it up or did you just decide, nope, we're going? Yeah, you know, it wasn't necessarily like a conscientious effort to be building up clientele and, and having a side hustle. It was more like opportunities presented themselves. And, and I just wanted to do something that wasn't in sales, to be honest. And so, um, you know, eventually I, I started noticing a pattern of, oh, doing all these things that I had done in sales has contributed well for me being able to close clients. And, you know, you kind of figure out all the administrative stuff around it, how to invoice, you know, how to collect payment, um, all those fun things. Yeah. And, and so I think it was, it was definitely important that I had those side gigs to sort of steer me in the right direction. But it, yeah, it definitely wasn't something, 
something where I went into it thinking, oh, eventually I'll ramp this up. Okay. Now, as far as like the SEO and the content piece, is that what you studied in school? Is that something you learned as you were in sales and as you were kind of working through um, career before jumping into your own? Yeah, the content stuff it was also an interesting sort of serendipitous thing. Um, and it was also at that same job where my boss gave me my first freelance gig. He also recognized, um, I guess, a different side of me because I had gone into that job with the purpose of helping with web design stuff. And so um, I think he noticed that I wasn't the typical web developer type person who's kind of quiet and reserved. I was very loud got in trouble for it sometimes <laughs> and I, I think he he saw it as an opportunity to like use that loudness and that opinionated nature to put it to good use and so he's like you know our department of student life blog and social media channels could benefit from having another student voice um, to balance things out and to share the workload with another student who had also been working on it and I don't know, I, I guess I just realized when I was working on those projects that I had a lot more energy and excitement around them. And it wasn't a conscious thing at the time, but looking back now, that's that was definitely the catalyst for what was later to come. Okay. And I, I did do some work um, during those other jobs, uh, the sales jobs where, you know, I would kind of like poke my head in other departments and ask if they needed any help with content related stuff. And so I was, you know, working to sort of nurture that, but without a specific goal for it during those times. Awesome. Just sort of exploring. So was there a moment or a trigger that was kind of definitive for you to say, no, I'm going to go and do my own thing full time? There was, and um, it was actually another person. So somebody that became my mentor was initially a client and um, a freelance client at that I had randomly connected with him on LinkedIn and he commissioned a set of articles from me for his website and really liked them. And um, he, you know, he and I would just chat about freelancing and content creation and just sort of sharing stories. And eventually he um, told me that he was interested in hiring a content manager to help him with a bunch of his different client needs. And he kind of came to me and was like, you know, what would be sort of your minimum in order to jump ship and you know make sure that your bills are covered. And you know, our our understanding was that he wouldn't be my full-time client. You know, I'd probably have to find other clients in order to make it worthwhile to be freelancing full-time. But um, just having that sort of promise of a minimum and you know working out a deal that was really beneficial for both of us while also being able to have somebody that was going through the same things that I could turn to whenever I needed advice. It, it just, it was kind of just like a magical moment. Um, you know, I couldn't have planned it. And honestly, when he first came to me with that offer, I was like, Oh no, I couldn't quit my full-time job, <laughs> but it started like seeping into my brain. And I started thinking, you know, I do have all this experience in the past. I've done web design, you know, if nothing else, I have that to fall back on. And I've kind of figured out the admin stuff around it. So eventually, I don't know, the, the idea just sort of sprouted and I, I couldn't ignore it anymore. Okay. And the rest is history. The rest is history, three and a half years <laughs> plus later. So that's awesome. So thinking back to that first month, especially if this wasn't something you maybe had intended to do for a long time, what was the feeling when you didn't have to get up and go into the office or 
do the do the job for the first month what was that yeah. like well i'll tell you what the first day um my my friend and i had planned to go like apple picking or like something that's just like totally self-indulgent like like screw you full-time corporate world like we're going apple picking so it ended up not happening because that client needed certain things due by certain times and we didn't have great communication around those first initial elements and so i was like well you know i gotta keep them happy like this is my you know baseline foundation of work that i need in order to survive at least these first couple of months so we did go to brunch it wasn't a total you know bad first day <laughs> but we didn't go apple picking and and so i think that that kind of set the tone a little bit that you know it's not all rainbows and butterflies and apples it's um you know it really is something that is work and you know probably i mean definitely even more so than a corporate job because it's not just about the deliverable it's about all the little things around it and you know just the fact that you now have to be in charge of your own business development too and if you're not on top of that then you're not going to have work coming in so um yeah initially it was definitely a bit of a shock you know you kind of have this idealized vision of what it's going to be like and then for it to just come crashing down on the first day is a little hard to deal with reality check it happens it's not all you know instagrammable laptops on the beach scenarios right <laughs> although i've had my fair share of those moments too so it can it can happen <laughs> Okay. Well, do you remember what you made your first month independent? Well, I will say that with that one client, it was like a $1,500 a month situation, which was, you know, quite, quite fair, I think, for the type of work I was doing and for all the mentorship I was getting. I had a couple other clients at that time, like one of the, um, maybe one or two of the freelance clients I had been working with, like to the side of my job had also carried over and so maybe it was another 500 bucks or you know something around there it wasn't you know it wasn't riches for sure it was bare minimums and you know it's like a cutback like netflix like all the fun stuff um i didn't cut the gym that's an important thing i think to keep but um yeah, it really, it really wasn't much more than what that one client was paying me. But, but at the same time, I didn't make that jump unless I knew that I could get my minimums hit. So I think that's an important takeaway here is like, even, even if you don't have the clients built up yet, although I think you definitely should be at least, you know, starting that process and building those relationships, you mm -hmm. absolutely need to have some funds in the bank for emergencies, you know, like, couple months of rent if you can whatever whatever you can realistically pull off but just don't make that jump without a little bit of a backup plan not that you want to plan to fail but you just want to be realistic yeah i think that's fair okay so starting from frugality minimums you know trimming back expenses just knowing you could survive with your one one great client right. oh forward what did what did you end up grossing last year how have you grown your business at what point are we at yeah, I think it was like 175,000. So huge, huge freaking jump <laughs> from the early days. I mean, it's, it's only gotten better since that first year. And I think I started freelancing full time. It was like October 2016. So I only had, you know, a quarter 
of freelancing that first year. And then I want to say every year past that I hit at least the like lower end of that six figures mark. So luckily it continues to trend up. Have you, have you ever thought about going back to a nine to five in this journey these last couple of years? I mean, there's days. (laughs) (laughs) I think just like, like anyone else, you have a day and it's endless torture and just stuff keeps blowing up and people keep getting in touch, you know, and, and you just get overwhelmed. And so I think they're, yeah, absolutely. I've thought about it, but then, you know, you get past whatever that bad situation was and you have a good day and it's like, this is what it's for. It's for these days. Um, I think like from a personal personality standpoint, I am just not like a very coachable person. Like I'm not a very, like I'm, I don't take direction. Well, <laughs> I love to learn. I love to learn on my own terms. And I love to to make myself a better person, but I resent when it comes from like a micromanaging type who um, disregards, you know, all the things that I do for just because, you know, they're mad or whatever in the bad mood. Um, and that's, that's the problem with the corporate world. I think it's just that all the BS that happens in somebody else's day can impact yours and you can't get away from it, whether that's your boss or your coworkers. I do miss having coworkers, I'll say that. But um, yeah, I've, I've had offers since I've quit, especially in the last year, I, I got multiple offers or at least, you know, invitations to interview at companies that honestly, like would have just changed my life back in the day. And it would have made, I, I would have jumped at it. But, you know, now that I've tasted what freedom is and (laughs) I don't have to ask my boss because I am the boss you know when I want to go on vacation especially if that happens to be this weekend I just suddenly decided I wanted to do something um you know I I feel like it would be really hard to give that up at this point because a I'm a very hard worker and I you know I feel like I deserve the time that I take off as as few and far between as it ends up being and so I really resent when um, in the past I've asked bosses for vacation time that I both, you know, should have had access to and um, I definitely earned and, you know, it's like, oh, well, we'll see, Um, you know, gotta, gotta make sure, gotta check for approval. Actually, one of my first, my first full-time job was at Groupon and we had unlimited paid time off. Uh, That was a joke, but... (laughs) You know, one week I I asked a little bit late and I wanted to go to Lollapalooza because we're headquartered in Chicago. And I was told that if I wanted to go, I would have to work two Saturdays in order to do it. And so I failed to understand how that's unlimited paid time off. But at any rate, um, I ended up not being there when Lollapalooza was happening. And so it all worked out anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, grass is greener in some instances, but to your point, yeah, there's there's many advantages that are the reasons we're freelancing in the first place. So perfect. Yeah. Okay. So you've grown to 175k. What's the average month for you so far this year? 
Um, for this year, it's probably been about like 13,000 a month. This, this year, it started out really well and it's been lulling lately because I have been so preoccupied with like moving and home projects and also wedding planning. So it's just like, I do not have as much time as I would like to focus on my business. And, and I can tell it's, it's definitely suffering for that, but I'm hoping after I move pick back up and I'll have more time to get back to work. I mean, I, I never worry about things because I do have that business development background, having those sales jobs. So it's like, whenever I need something, I know I can get it. But I, I hate disappointing people in the meantime, if it means, you know, I'm a little bit behind with stuff. And um, so, so I've been purposely taking on less work just because I can't stand the disappointment. Life, life is happening. That's okay, too. It's not always just a straight path, uh, a straight path up in growth. You got to take a break to move, handle weddings. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's like the beauty of freelancing too, is that you do have control over those things. And, you know, as much as it sucks for me in the meantime, if I did have a full-time job, I wouldn't be able to like get over to the house to get stuff done and paint. Like we've been painting for the past month and I'm so tired of it, but <laughs> But I wouldn't have the time. And, you know, it's like we get home late. So I honestly, I sleep in late. And like if I had a full time job, I would probably just be a complete zombie because it would be, you know, stuck to prescribed times when I need to be at different places. And so, you know, I feel like sometimes freelancers don't use all these perks that we have. And definitely you need to be judicious about it you can't you know always sleep in you can't always go on vacation as much as you know it would be awesome to do all those things but um you know you got to use them sometimes because otherwise you know what the heck are you working so hard for awesome perspective <laughs> so you're time now you're still averaging 13k months which is fantastic so um how many hours are you working right now in a typical week yeah, I mean, like house stuff aside, I would say it's probably pretty close to 40. Um, you know, there are some days where I like to work late. I'm, I'm definitely a night owl. Um, so sometimes I find I usually work, I would say, on client stuff during the day. And then I work on my business at night or on the weekends. Okay. So so it's also kind of like blurring lines between like what is work because I do I do quite enjoy working you know not only on client projects but also on projects to advance I guess my personal brand and you know finding ways to get the word out there about, about what I do. Um, recently, it's been less hours, but <laughs> I would say I would say it's probably about forty, and it's less than it was last year. I worked hard to achieve a better work-life balance and sometimes it's just telling myself I don't have to get ahead right now like as nice as it would be to just like clear out my entire queue of things I need to work on sometimes I have to step back and um, tell myself it's okay to just like enjoy the weekend and like not do anything for a couple hours and it's hard. I'm like the type of person who's like always moving around and I like need something to do, even if it's not like a work related task. But, um, you know, I, I feel like after you have that initial year or two where you're freelancing full time and it's just like, you know, you're on all the time and you're looking for opportunities and you're trying to be the best you could be. 
I've just found that point where I can like relax a little bit. I think it's important to note though, right? Yeah, sometimes you have to give yourself permission to actually do nothing. And there's value yeah. in that, but we're, we're a bit wired to, to your point to have to be on, 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 go, 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 more, 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 busy, busy, busy. And totally. um, I think I love that your, your frame of mind now is take advantage of sleeping in, of right. taking a sleep, of sitting and do nothing, of like all the benefits of what this lifestyle could be if you plan it, have goals that are kind of related more to the lifestyle, not just the financial success. You can have both. So I think it's a great perspective. Was there anything that you had to change in the way you handle the administrative things, packaging or pricing or, or how you how you market the services that you have that has allowed you to, to earn a higher level? We do about 40 hours a week. Yeah, so I would say like one of the first most important lessons I learned was um, I tried to be everything to everyone. When I, when I first started freelancing and at the time it wasn't such a big deal because I wasn't necessarily working with the clients that I wanted to end up working with. I knew it was more or less building my portfolio, um, you know, getting some good testimonials from people and all that good stuff. But um, so like the first iteration of my website and my brand name was putyourbrandonline.com, which I thought was so smart. How did nobody else think of this? Like whatever. <laughs> and it was like, we do social media blogging websites and like honestly those things are all still on my website but it's more focused on the wordpress niche now it's like we do social media for technology brands you know like stuff like that so the lesson that i learned was you can't be everything to everyone because then people have a hard time figuring out what it is that you do best and you know if they want to have the best person for the job, they're probably not going to hire a generalist. Um, and then, you know, you can't build a reputation on being a generalist either. It's okay to have a lot of different services. It's okay to do a lot of different services for different clients. But when it comes to the way that you position yourself publicly, it needs to be clear. It needs to be memorable. Um, it needs to be niche. So, you know, one, one thing that I would tell other people who are striving to get to that next level is maybe you're trying to be too many things to too many different types of people and probably behind the scenes you are, but publicly you need to be, this is my specialty. So, so that's been one of the biggest, I think, things that has helped me to get to the next level. And then also what we just talked about in terms of taking time for yourself, you know, giving yourself permission to enjoy an afternoon off on a Saturday, you know, it's normal, it's fine. <laughs> Celebrate Christmas with your family if you want. <laughs> you, can, you can do one thing in the morning if you need to, just to be sane, but. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think it's stuff like that, like, taking time for self-care, taking time to really think about what it is that you want to be to the world as a professional. And it's okay if that changes too, as long as you have, you know, a clear path. Um, but yeah, that's, that's honestly, those are the main things. Awesome. Can you share a little of your perspective on packaging and pricing for your services? Because I know that's something a lot of people have a hard time setting high enough where they can actually earn a decent living. 
Yeah, so I would say like one of the first things is ideally, and this is something I was just talking to one of my friends about the other day, um, ideally you want to build into your contract that there's going to be a price increase, you know, every six months, whatever it ends up being, yearly, whatever you're most comfortable with, whatever makes the most sense. Um, I'm not a fan of changing pricing on a yearly basis just arbitrarily though. I think that for me, I have to feel like I earned that increase. You know, I have to have, you know, taken the time to learn some new things and put them into practice and measure the results and, um, you know, work with new clients and go through more challenging editorial processes that make my writing better. So I think that when people are like, oh, you should raise your prices every year, it's like, well, why? You know, you have to, <laughs> you have to be able to back that shit up with something. So, <laughs> so I feel like, you know, that, that's one side of things. The other side of things is I'm a huge proponent of publicly posting your pricing. And I don't think that you have to get super granular with it. You don't have to say, this is exactly how much every single variation of my services is going to cost because that would just be insane. But <laughs> what you should think about doing is helping people to understand what ballpark you guys are both in. And if your ballparks are in the same city, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, um, I honestly don't have time for people that are not in my ballpark. Um, and it's not because I don't love talking to people. It's because literally like every hour of my day is busy with work and now house stuff and wedding planning. And so I don't want to waste my time on business development. That's never going to go anywhere. And I'm very happy to build relationships with people that I know are not going to turn into business right now, but I don't want to get like so far down the line that it's just like worthless to even be talking specifics. So I publicly post my pricing on my website. It's very easy to find. And um, the purpose is because I just, like I said, I want to make sure that we're on the same page. Um, I want people to see it before they book a call with me. In fact, um, using my calendar scheduler to book a meeting, they literally have to check a box that says, yes, I've seen your pricing and it has like a link to it in case they haven't. So um, even if it's not a specific price, you can put a range. You can say pricing starts at such and such. You know, usually clients have a budget of whatever for this type of retainer. I personally price by word. And I know that a lot of writers, um, it's kind of a maybe contentious issue isn't the right phrase, but um, something like that. And But for me, I just like that it scales really nicely. I can sort of build in the cost of everything I do, which includes keyword research, you know, finding images, uploading it to their content management system. And so it's kind of nice to offer clients an all-in-one price. Um, and 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 just being able to say okay you know i don't have to work hard to quote you for an article it's just like literally based on how long that article is so you know not not everyone will agree with me and that's totally fine i like flat rates too as long as it's for a reasonable word range you know that that type of pricing gets a little bit more challenging when people aren't 100% sure what they want with writing yeah. um but you know, there's there's many different ways to do it. I wouldn't recommend 
and hourly for the majority of projects because inevitably it just makes clients wonder about you know how long it's taking you to do stuff oh my god why is it taking you so long you know um but it also sort of it what's the word i'm looking for it makes you it cheapens your experience because you know for me it'll take me a shorter amount of time to write something than somebody who doesn't have a process you know the type of people who are hiring me and so should i be punished because i'm more efficient i don't think so <laughs> excellent point okay well, you mentioned that you're you're very comfortable because of your sales and business development background with when you have to go and get new clients, going and get a new clients. So I would love to know, your first ones, it sounds like, were through business and referrals. How do you go get clients now? What's your, yeah. what's your primary strategies or tactics? It was definitely a lot of cold pitching to start, literally taking those sales skills and just applying them to a new industry and a new company, you could say. Um, nowadays, a lot of it is honestly inbound marketing. And I think that I'm in a unique position because I'm a writer. So anybody who writes and gets bylines, um, you automatically have a built-in marketing function. Assuming that you do good work and that you're leveraging that author bio to speak to the type of people that are your clients. Um, and assuming you get a link too, although as long as your name's on it, people will still find you wherever it is that you're making yourself you know, obviously known. Um, so yeah, a lot of it comes from people who've read my articles who mentioned specifically that they read a specific article and you know, that they're looking for someone to do something similar for their type of website. Um, referrals has always been a big one for me since the very beginning days. And so whatever, whenever I'm talking to a new freelancer and they're asking me the same question, I say, make your yourself known. Like, be obvious about what you're looking to get into you know you have to keep it kind of quiet if you're still at your full-time job that's a lot of private messages more than like public posts on right. networks then but um you know once once you're full-time freelancing then i think you should shout it from the world and just make people aware of what you're doing and using those social channels especially a professional social channel like linkedin where business literally gets done to to just make yourself known and and that's a big part of what i do is just reminder advertising sort of like on linkedin um i'm posting pretty much every day here's a new article here's a testimonial from someone you know here's a curated article about something related to you know the type of stuff that i like to do and the type of stuff that clients hire me for um so different things around that and what's nice about this type of way to keep yourself top of mind is that it's not pushy because you're not directing it at any one person. Right. But, but the point is that you stay top of mind so that when that person is ready to work with a person like you, you know, if that need ever arises, if they have a friend who has a need that arises, then it's really easy for them to come up with your name and to then, you know, start that process of getting in touch. So absolutely you know the first thing that you should do the moment that you can is just shout it to the world what you do and and you'll be surprised by how many people come out of the woodworks and how many people want to help you perfect i love that so one letting people know what you're doing because i think a lot of people do try to build a business incognito and assume everybody knows they want clients right and right keeping the content marketing going so that your own business is better. That's awesome. Definitely. 
Get how you have started to set better boundaries and work towards that work-life balance. Are there any systems that help you stay organized in your business or your personal life? Um, so, you know, I'm a huge fan of project management tools. I do work with a small team that helps me with various tasks. And so with them, honestly, it's to-doist. Um, I just, for some reason, that interface, it's minimal. It's straight to the point, but it lets you set priorities, dates, assignees comments attachments um there's something about it that just like people wouldn't usually use it but i love it um i use Basecamp too for other things that are a little bit more detailed um that require more back and forth collaboration um i you know my google calendar runs my whole life so <laughs> if i have a meeting or something it's on there if i have a due date i put it on there Google in general, like different tools that they have, like Gmail, um, I think, you know, they saved my life, especially with Gmail's new um, snooze feature. That's a great way to stay on top of follow-up so that you don't have to keep them in your inbox and you don't have to keep them in your brain or in one of these systems. You can literally just say, if so-and-so, you know, doesn't get back to me in a week, this is my reminder to get back to them. Um, you know, yeah, there's definitely a bunch of different systems that are sort of playing with each other. I am working on better incorporating them with a tool called Notion, which is kind of like Airtable-ish. It's slightly different. You can create like relational databases and stuff where you're sharing information from one, you know, thing to another, which is kind of cool. So I'm still trying to figure out how to use it to the best of its you know processing abilities but yeah i mean i think as far as finding success as a freelancer you absolutely need to build processes and systems um, and creating process documentation for the types of things that you do over and over again because you know that can serve as the basis for potentially outsourcing that thing to somebody else who can maybe do it cheaper um you know take that burden off of you if it's something that is automated easily enough or at least handled by somebody else because you can break it down into clear steps so um yeah i mean it's something that you should think about as early as when you start freelancing full-time awesome i think that's great advice so looking forward how are you defining success for what you do with the business in the future it's a yeah it's an interesting question because i feel like i could continue to sort of see how, how much money i could make and you know I'll, I'll keep increasing prices and i'll keep going after awesome clients um but i don't know if that would be my definition of success moving forward just like continuing to make more money i've honestly never been the type of person who's like i want a luxury yacht someday you know <laughs> or like i want a mansion or a ferrari like i i honestly don't have a car right now mostly because i work from home and i and i live in the city center at least for the next two days but <laughs> but you know even when i lived back in chicago i i got by without one my fiance has one so i guess it's kind of like a cheater move i could still use his but even if I did get a car, I'd probably get a used car. I'd probably get like an ugly car because I just don't care. You know, I really don't. If I have any extra money, it's going to go towards, you know, traveling. I, I enjoy traveling. It can get expensive. So that's a good, that's a good place to put it. Um, another thing that I've 
been trying to do lately is doing more to give back. And so something that I did just in this past week, I picked a winner for um, what I'm calling the Blogsmith Freelance Success Grant, which is um, a cash prize, but it's also mentorship and access to a course I created for a freelancer who is new and, you know, in the growing stages. And so, you know, that was important to me just because I feel like I've been given a lot of opportunities in this world. I'm not going to say that I haven't worked hard or, you know, fought for them, but I do feel, I, I hate this word, but as you know, I feel some sense of privilege. And so I feel like it's my duty to pay it forward to those that I can, you know, in whatever ways that are reasonable that I can do that. And so, so that's something that I would like to add as like a KPI of my success moving forward is how much am I doing to benefit others like me, other freelancers who maybe haven't found as much success as I have yet, but you know, they have skills, they have the drive, they just need sort of like a roadmap. So, um, yeah, I mean, success moving forward for me will include all those components, but also a balance, like we talked about earlier, just making sure that it's not all about work. You know, I still have time to relax and enjoy this life that I've worked hard to build. And um, so so more so than money, that's that's going to be what what matters to me moving forward. Awesome. So travel, giving back, all these wonderful things are what you're doing with success you're creating for yourself. I think that's fantastic. Do you ever struggle with one of the things that's very common amongst female entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general in terms of imposter syndrome or worrying about what you're doing and do you deserve any of it? I feel like definitely a lot when I started or maybe even like in the middle when things were going really well. Um, it's, you know, it's definitely hard when you start to, to see where it's going to go and to wonder how you're going to get there. And to worry that the pitches that you're sending out are full of shit, you know, like, not that I, not that I thought that, but, <laughs> but just to worry, like, what if I can't follow through on what I'm saying? Um, so I think it's important and, and kind of in line with what we were talking about, like, don't increase your pricing until you personally feel like you've earned it. I don't, you know, you have to make, you have to set minimums for your yourself when it comes to taking on clients and pricing yourself you don't ever want to price yourself so low that you're undercutting somebody else you know um but yeah i mean i would say today the imposter syndrome you you still deal with it but it's it's more of just like that voice in the back of your head that's that's always there that you can't quite get rid of but it's but it dulls over time you know it gets it gets easier to ignore it. And um, yeah, I mean, I think as long as you have clients that are happy with what you're doing and you're following through on the promises that you made for them, then I think that you should ignore that voice in your head. Awesome. All right, so for anybody else who is just getting going, any key to success or piece of advice you would pass along? Um. Last piece of wisdom. <laughs> um, build relationships and, you know, be the type of 
be a connector is another thing, you know, be the type of person who is always willing to help somebody else, even if there's no immediate benefit to you, because what goes around comes around and, um, you just, you just never know when something's going to go away that you didn't think, you know, some unintended conversation with somebody who's not even in your industry that leads to a connection that becomes your best client. So don't burn bridges, you know, work on being the type of person that brings people together, put yourself out there, go to networking events, go to conferences, you don't have to do it all the time, but push yourself out of your comfort zone and more times than not, it'll end up working out in your favor more than it will be whatever scary thing you built it up to be. Perfect advice. All right. So if anybody wants to reach out to you to pick your brain, since you're, you're really big on giving back, what's the best way for someone to contact you? So I would recommend that people go to Twitter at Maddie Asman, M-A-D-D-Y-O-S-M-A-N. And I will say that I recently launched a new initiative of sorts where people can book um, free office hours with me every Thursday from 10, 10.30 to 11.30 a.m. MST. So, um, so if you need the link to do that, hit me up on Twitter and I would be happy to help you in whatever way I can, at least during those time periods. I love it. That is super generous. Maddie, thank you so much for sharing. Congratulations on all your success and also your future nuptials and moves coming up. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Awesome. It's been great hearing and learning from you. And thank you so much for giving back. No problem. Anytime. <laughs>